All right, Acts chapter 1 is where we are. Now I've got to start over. Ready? Here we go. What did I say? I don't know. Fine. Um, <laughs> I said I'm going to be brief. Let's go back. That took about a minute and a half. You won't remember anything else I said tonight, but you'll remember a promise to be brief. Deacons, what are you going to do with them? Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, familiar, very familiar verse of scripture, but ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now Jesus here is just about to ascend back into heaven, he's resurrected, spent the last 40 days or so. Uh, with his disciples and has been communicating to them things about the kingdom of God and teaching them. And the question that they had just asked was, uh, Lord, is it now the time? Is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus, of course, said it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, but this is basically this is what you need to know. You need to know that you are to be witnesses unto me. And this is one of uh, five different places, actually, in the New Testament that we read what we call the Great Commission. As Jesus was giving kind of the marching orders to his church what they were to do. And, of course, we talk about that frequently. The fact that the reason that we exist as a church is so that uh, the gospel can emanate from this place. We have received uh, Christ, we have the gospel, we hold the truth of the word of God, and this is to be an outpost for the preaching of the gospel. And we, as members of this body, of this church, have that responsibility to carry forth the gospel, not only locally, but also into all the world. This is the reason that we uh, pray for God to raise up laborers who we can send forth uh, into his harvest. This is the reason that we support uh, missionaries around the world that have gone out uh, for just that purpose, to preach the gospel and reach the lost and to, uh, to establish churches that will then reproduce and continue the work. This is the reason that we take time and set scheduled times even to go uh, into our community with the gospel and at times door to door where we go and we'll knock on people's doors and try to engage them in conversation about spiritual matters and, and, and try and uh, approach this issue of the gospel because we have been commanded to go and we know that, we know that to be true. But as we consider this tonight, there are some realities that I, I think we're probably all aware of but we don't talk about very frequently. And that is, one of, the, one of these realities is this, it is the church's responsibility to, give, to, to preach the gospel, to fulfill the Great Commission, to, to win the lost, to baptize, to teach. We understand that's, that's a commission that was given to Christ's church and therefore every church that came out of that church, right? We would all say amen to that. We would all agree with that. It is a church commission. However, a church is not only an institution, an organization. A church is an organism that is made up of individuals. And there, thereby, every individual who is part of that church bears that responsibility, we all shoulder that responsibility. And I think another reality is that too frequently we, and I will include myself in this, too frequently 
we assume that because we are part of a church that is engaged in the fulfillment of the Great Commission or trying to be engaged in the fulfillment of the Great Commission that therefore our responsibility is being taken care of. In other words, okay, I am part of this church and this church is making a concerted effort to reach people, thereby I am accomplishing my portion of this. Well, maybe I'm not the one who's actively going and, uh, and, and witnessing and preaching the gospel, but I'm serving in the church. I'm, I, I'm, I'm helping to uh, carry my weight and pull my weight within the church. Therefore, since the church is doing this and I'm doing what I ought to do within the church, my responsibility uh, is, is being fulfilled. But that's actually not the case. Each one of us has a responsibility to be what he called us here, witnesses. Verse 8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. One of the things that stands out to me about that is, Jesus did not say, ye shall witness of me. He didn't say, ye shall testify of me. He didn't say, in this place, ye shall preach of me. He said, ye shall be witnesses. In other words, in this verse, this is not simply a call to action, this is a statement of who we are. It is to be a reality of our life. In other words, we could say that being a witness for Christ is not just about what we do. It's not just an aspect of our life. It's not just some responsibility. I have to do that. You know, kind of like I have to go to work and I have to pay my taxes. No, this isn't just some obligation that at some point in our life we need to do this. But Jesus is actually saying this is now what you are. You are a witness of me. Now, what is a witness? A witness is someone who has experienced something and has a message to tell about their experience. If you were called to go to court and testify as a witness, your testimony would not be, unless you were an expert witness, your testimony would not be about something that you have studied in depth. And you are now responsible for telling the courtroom everything you know about this particular subject. Usually if you're called as a witness, you are there simply to testify of what your experience has been. What did you see? What did you observe? What happened to you? And folks, that really is our responsibility. If you are a child of God, if you have been saved, something has happened to you. And you now are a witness of Christ. You're a witness of the gospel. You're a witness of Christ's power to save souls, to change lives. And you and I are now identified by this name, witnesses of Christ. Go with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 17 is very familiar, but we're going to read on past there as well. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. We understand that's a reference to salvation, right? When, when a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, they, they, they turn in repentance to Christ, believe on Him, they are saved. They are 
brought into his family. There, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believed on, uh, believe on his name. We are in Christ, right? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, If you're saved, you've been reconciled to God by Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That speaks of a responsibility. Verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation, our responsibility again. Then look at verse 20. This is our identity. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. In other words, because we have been reconciled to God, because we have been placed in Christ, because we are children of God... We now have been given a responsibility, the, the, the ministry of reconciliation. We are to plead with people that they would be reconciled to God. But that is our responsibility now, though, he says we are ambassadors. That is our identity. Folks, I think too frequently we stop at the recognition of our responsibility... And we view the requirement, the command that God's given us, we view it as an obligation, something I must do. But we often fail to remember that this is not simply something I must do, it is now who I am. I am in Christ, therefore I am a witness, I am an ambassador. Now I've traveled to... Many different countries, I don't know the exact number, somewhere between 12 and 15, somewhere in there. I've been involved in missions work and lived in different countries. And one of the things that I've found in some of these countries that I've met, people that are there working for the embassy, different embassies, sometimes the U.S. embassy, sometimes European countries that are represented in these places. And I've even met ambassadors, people who are sent on behalf of their country, to represent their country in a foreign country. What's interesting about that is when an ambassador is sent to another country, it's not that they don't have any free time, it's not that they don't have any time to themselves, but their job is not a 9 to 5 job. They are full time, 24-7, in that place for a specific purpose... That's the reason that they are there, and they are the ambassador. That's who they are. They look different than the people there. They talk different than the the people there, and they are there because there is a purpose in them being there. This is a pretty good explanation of what we are. It's not that we don't have any free time. It's not that we don't have the ability to set up life here on this earth and enjoy some good things in life, but you need to understand that The gospel and the proclamation of the gospel is not just something that we are obligated to do. Now I'm saved, this is what, I have to do this. 
I have to go to church, I have to tithe, I have to witness, I have to, I have to. No, 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 this is now who we are. We're witnesses, we're ambassadors. So with that in mind, I want you to go with me to the book of Luke. And as you're turning to the book of Luke in chapter 8, I want you to remember that first verse that we read tonight, Acts 1 and verse 8. He said, And ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Those of you who know the verse, what's the very next word? Both. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Oftentimes we think of the proclamation of the gospel as something that we are to do beyond us. We are to go to other parts of the world. We're to go to other regions beyond us. And that certainly is part of our command and our commission. It's something I believe we ought to be passionate about. I've been passionate about it, passionate about it in my life, being involved in missions, going to new places, reaching lost people. Uh, I have been a witness to people that I do not know. But I want you to know that the great commission that has been given to us is not an either-or commission, it's a both-and commission. In other words, we are to be both in the uttermost part of the earth, and, what did he say, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the place where they set up, set up their lives. That means that they were to be just as passionate about being witnesses for Christ in the place of their home and their life as they were in the regions beyond them. Let me say to you that I have been guilty at times of finding it much easier to be a witness to people that I don't know than to the people who are part of my daily life. It's actually not been all that difficult for me to travel to some far region of the world and be a witness and proclaim the gospel there. But I have found at times that I hesitate when it comes to family members and friends and people that I see on a daily basis in the workplace or in my neighborhood or wherever it might be. In Luke chapter 8, verse number 26, it says, and they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he, that's Jesus, went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and with fetters, and he brake the bands 
and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. And they uh, then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the, in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Folks, there's a whole sermon in that. But listen to this. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. Now you can imagine that that'd be the desire of any man that had just experienced what this man had experienced after all this time being possessed of these devils, being tormented in his life. Now he's been delivered from that and he wants to go with Jesus. That certainly would be a natural response, but look at the end of the verse. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. So you have this man here who's been delivered. He's been set free. He says, Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to, I want to go and venture out of this place, my home. I want to go beyond. I want to walk with you. I want to be in your presence, and I want to minister alongside of you. And Jesus said, not right now. Here's what you need to do. Go home. What do you mean go home? Well, this man had a testimony. I mean, it says, verse 29, for oftentimes it had caught him and he was kept bound with chains and was in fetters. In other words, the people of this area had tried to restrain him. This guy was known for being a problem, for having issues. And now he's been delivered from these devils and the Bible says that he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's clothed and in his right mind three things that were not true of him before. And the change was evident and obvious. And what Jesus is saying is you need to go home because the people who know you need to see and observe and hear what I've done for you. You see, it's one thing to engage a stranger with the gospel. And we ought to do that. We're commanded to do that. You, you should be in the habit of passing out gospel tracts in places you go. You should be in the habit of striking up conversations with people and trying to be a witness to them. But, 
you also ought to be living a life where your testimony preaches to other people. People who knew you before Christ and now can observe and see in you the great things that God has done. Jesus said it in Matthew 5 and verse 13 through, verses 13 through 16. He said we're the salt of the earth. He said that we are the light of the world. He said a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Oftentimes we, we preach that and we talk about that, that we are to let our light shine, but actually Jesus didn't say let your light shine, did he? He said let your light so shine. In other words, the message wasn't simply shine your light. The message was your light is shining. Make sure it shines in this manner, in this way. Because he said a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. <laughs> I mean, we, we have not been saved to be hidden God's going to make sure that we're seen. And everywhere you go, especially the people who know you, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, they're watching. And Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In other words, your testimony ought to be preaching as well as your mouth. I think one of the reasons that we find it easier oftentimes, and I know some people maybe are a little more introverted and you struggle just, just to even have a conversation with someone you don't know. I understand that. But if you can break that barrier, I think most of us can admit it's just easier to witness to someone we don't know, someone that we don't feel like we're going to have to encounter again. If this doesn't go well, at least I don't have to see him again, you know? But could it be that one of the reasons that we find that easier is because with a stranger, we can put on a pretty good front with people that we know and see on a regular basis and they are able to observe us in our lives. There's no opportunity for pretext. They see the good and the bad. We understand that there's a testimony that we have to maintain before them. That's an intimidating thing, is it not? I mean, some days are better than others. There have been times, just honestly, times that we've sat in a restaurant and maybe the kids, kids weren't behaving real good or something of that nature, and then there's that thought in your head, man, should I even leave a track? You know, because they've, they've observed. Was it a good testimony? I always thought, I, I don't want a Christian bumper sticker. Because if I accidentally cut someone off in traffic, I don't want that to be a bad testimony, you know. I just, I mean, the, just the reality is not every day is a perfect day. And, and maintaining a testimony before people, it's, that's a challenging thing. It's an intimidating thing. And yet, your life is preaching something. We have a lifelong mission to reach the people that God has put in our lives. And I know that there's some intimidation. Go with me if you would to Matthew 13. There's intimidation when it comes to people that we know and love. Again, family, fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters to, 
to try and give them the gospel, there's intimidation because we recognize and understand that this can cause division in relationships. If we're honest with people, if we're faithful to do what he's called us to do, it can be divisive, especially in the world that we live in today. To speak the truth to someone is considered offensive oftentimes. And so if you are like me, a nice person who wants to get along with everyone, you shy away from confrontation. Look at uh, Matthew 13 and verse number 54. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Even Jesus faced some challenges in his hometown. There were people who didn't want to listen to him because they'd known him his whole life, and they just figured he didn't have anything to offer them. They were offended in him. Tell me you've never faced that problem before. Again, it can be easier to go to people that we're not familiar with. There's an old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Matthew chapter 10, just a few pages back, Matthew 10 verse 32, Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. It's an interesting statement. I came not to send peace but a sword, for I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Yeah, that's often what Jesus does. You speak the truth. You try and reach a family member, you tell them, listen, I love you. I want you to know. I want you to know that Jesus died for you. I want you to know that Jesus is the only way, that your, your religion can't save you, your church can't save you. And what happens? Sometimes people are offended. Man, it's hard. But what about that relationship? I just love this person so much. Jesus said in verse 37, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. You see, the thing is, sometimes we think that we love people. And so we actually become idolatrous in our relationship with them. We put them before God. We think we love people, but in an effort to prevent some temporary 
awkwardness or potential for offense, we actually allow them to go on believing that everything is okay while they are on the road to destruction and eternal damnation because we're afraid to make our to hinder our relationship to harm our relationship think about that that's not love friends that's actually just fear that's all that that is and so why, why am I bringing all of this up? Well, because the reality is, while we have a responsibility to go, while as a church we ought to be actively engaging our community and people around us and strangers and those who are beyond us, we ought to be taking the gospel to them. And we're going to continue to do that. The reality is that there, the, the chances of you leading someone to Christ are far greater if it's someone that you have a relationship with already. More people come to Christ in salvation through someone that they know who led them to Christ than just by chance they were home on a Saturday morning and someone knocked on their door with the gospel. Now, I'm not trying to discount the latter of that. I believe that we, again, have this responsibility and the Lord can lead us to people who are ready to harvest, as Jesus said. But God has put individuals in your life that you ought to be reaching. They're the people that you work with. They're the people that you live next to. They're the people that you're going to go and have a family get together with them or that old friend from high school that you stay in contact with these are people that God has put in your life and you have a far greater opportunity to reach them than I ever could can I just tell you some things that are of a burden to me I think sometimes we get skewed in our thinking. So often, our prayer list consists of about 80 to 90% health needs, and maybe 5 or 10% spiritual needs, and only about half of those are salvation. We're praying for someone's soul. Now, I'm not against praying for people's health. We're told to do that. Pray for one another that you may be healed, James 5 says. But Jesus also said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? In other words, there's nothing more valuable than a soul. Could it be that we're overly focused on the external and the temporal we're failing to really look into the lives of individuals and see this is a soul that is bound for eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. And the only difference is Christ. And I know Christ and I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's not my pastor's job. It's not my church's job. It's my job. The other thing that burdens me about our prayer lists oftentimes in churches is I've had people say, would you pray for so-and-so? 
that they would get saved. And I'll ask them, are you trying to witness to them? Have you brought the gospel to them? Well, no, not really. I'm not trying to be harsh, but why should I pray for someone I don't even know if the one that God has put in their life to reach them is unwilling to give them the gospel? I mean, I'll pray for them. But God's already given a way that they can hear. Take the gospel to them. Are you praying for them? Are you actively trying to reach them? What I'm trying to say, folks, is this. We are witnesses. And that's not only something we do at Saturday, on Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock when we go out and knock on doors. This ought to be part of our life. Part of our relationships. Just, the, just, just our lives as people observe us, people watch us, they ought to see that our testimony is that this is real to us. And by the way, I am very fearful that oftentimes there are people around us who know that we are Christians. They know that we are saved. And the very fact that we don't confront them with the gospel gives them a false assurance that everything is okay because I know this person they're a good Christian they know the Lord they know more about the Bible than I do and they don't seem to think that I have any problems or needs so I must be okay and we actually give a false assurance to people because we're too uncomfortable to be honest with them and tell them the truth listen I love you and God loves you but you need Christ you need to be saved and so tonight, can I just admonish all of us to embrace not just the responsibility to do, but the reality of who we are in Christ. We are witnesses. We are ambassadors. And we ought to be about the business of reaching the lost. Maybe there's someone that you know, someone even as we've been talking about this tonight that's on your mind and on your heart. Maybe you need to call them up and say, hey, can we meet and have some coffee? Can we sit down and have a Bible study together? Can I tell you my testimony and the things that God has done in my life? And can I share Christ with you? Maybe there's someone that you need to get on your knees and start praying for seriously that the Lord would give you opportunities to witness to them, to tell them of Christ because folks... This life is fleeting. And eternity is real and it's forever and it's coming soon. For you, for me, for all of us. May we embrace our identity in Christ as witnesses and ambassadors.